Oh, I have a treat for you today, a cornucopia of words and thoughts and texts and some illustrations, too. We don't do illustrations often on the radio, but today, something special. And all of the words and thoughts and texts are centered around the topic of Thanksgiving. Timely, right? When I saw that our verbivorous friend, author and English professor, Dr. Leland Riken, had put together a treasury of Thanksgiving, I said, let's get to the table. Let's feast on the words of great writers and thinkers and theologians and scripture texts that give voice to the topic of giving thanks. So that's what we're going to do today on this day before Thanksgiving. Welcome to the Radio Backyard Fence. Come on in. Let's talk about the power of giving thanks. In a sense, we are rehearsing the truth with each other about God, about ourselves, about the world around us when we do the work of thanksgiving. And it is a work. It's a choice. And maybe today you find yourself in a situation that is really difficult, where it is hard to find anything for which to be thankful. Let today's conversation wash over you, maybe challenge you a little, goad you toward thanks. First, let me say thank you to our team behind the scenes. They are deserving of much thanksgiving. Ryan McConaughey doing all things technical. Tricia McMillan is our producer. They do a lot of heavy lifting, especially this time of the year. Since our program is recorded, we won't be taking your calls today. But I do have a working number if you want to give feedback or if you want to give a gift to the program. There's another group I need to thank, Backfence Friends and Partners who have taken the time and energy to call or click through and then give a gift because this program means something to them. Thank you for doing that. As our gift to you this month, we're sending a story from my heart. It's titled Saving Grayson. And I use that name because of the construction of the word Saving Grayson. The book is about grace and mercy and forgiveness in the context of a man who has Alzheimer's. His family's trying to love him well He's trying to solve the mystery of his life. And what transpires, I think, showcases the love of God. You be the judge. Give a gift of any size. I'd love to send you a copy of Saving Grayson. 866-953-2279 is the number. 866-95-FABRY. Or go to chrisfabrylive.org. Scroll down. You'll see how to be a a friend or a partner with us right there. chrisfabrylive.org. Dr. Leland Riken is the best. We have talked with him about poetry of redemption, hymn texts, classic devotional poems, recovering the lost art of reading, and many more. He's the author of more than 50 books on biblical and literary topics, the literary editor of the ESV Bible, and emeritus professor of English at Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois. Dr. Riken, welcome back, and happy Thanksgiving. Well, the same to you, and it's always a privilege to be here. This is a seasonal book, but you make the point that giving thanks is an inside, everyday job. Talk about that. We tend to think of Thanksgiving around Thanksgiving time, and when the subject of a Thanksgiving anthology is uh, raised, we just naturally think, oh, a seasonal book. Well, it is definitely that. Nonetheless, Thanksgiving is a year-round event, And the selections included in the anthology, almost without exception, can be read any day of the year. Now, there are a few historical pieces, such as Abraham Lincoln's Declaration of Thanksgiving. Nonetheless, here's a book for any day of the year and um, with special effect around Thanksgiving. 
And you also make the point that Thanksgiving doesn't come naturally to us. That is true. What do we, after all, ask children? We ask, what do you say? They have to be coached to express Thanksgiving. I think that a number of the entries in the anthology acknowledge that we have to be coached for it. There are some pieces, such as a sermon by Charles Spurgeon entitled, Where Are the Nine?, that chastise us for not being sufficiently thankful. But then, on the other hand, there are entries that make Thanksgiving seem so natural that we would, of course, want to do it. I think particularly of a piece by a literary author of the 18th century, Joseph Addison. He treats Thanksgiving as just pretty much the most delightful thing in the whole world. So, yes, I think we do need to be prompted. We need to be taken by the hand and shown a better way. But it's not a burdensome way that we are shown. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Taken by the hand and led toward it and with an open, tender heart. Um, so if you're in a situation today and you feel like I, I, there's nothing here to, to be thankful for, keep listening. There is a, an analogy that you use or metaphor or whatever that thing is of a ladder, the steps of a ladder that will, I think, not only lead the book and lead the reader, but also will lead us in this hour. Talk about the ladder. It's a very helpful framework. I came upon it on my own early in the process. So here is the model. Five steps to the ladder. The gratitude that we uh, need to uh, cultivate. First of all, Thanksgiving begins with our receiving a benefit or a favor. We don't yet know that it's a gift. We just acknowledge or are aware something has been given to us. So the second stage is, having received this benefit, that we recognize it. At this point, the etymology of the word thank is useful. It's related to the word think. Before we're likely to express gratitude, it needs to register with us that we have received this good thing. Then, at that point, we face a choice, but we're not ordinarily aware of it. We need to be aware that this benefit came from someone. It had a source, ultimately God, but usually some intermediary also. Then the fourth step on the ladder is gratitude. We feel gratitude within ourselves for this gift that was given to us, one more step remains, namely, gratitude issues in our giving of thanks to the source of the gift. Um, thanksgiving, in that sense, is relational. It is the expression of the gratitude that lies within us. Gratitude itself is an attitude of the heart, something we feel. Thanksgiving is the expression of that gratitude. So take that then the next step. One other question I had for you is, what is the difference between praise and thanksgiving when we're thinking about God? Well, that's an excellent point. Um, Often we do not adequately recognize that a text, a hymn, let us say, is a thanksgiving text because it uses the vocabulary of praise. Often, and in my anthology, I did use the prerogative of an editor to change the language from praise to thanks. Often, thanks is what the text is really about. Um, Praise is adoration of God for his character. 
Thanks is related to a gift that has been given to us, and um, many texts go unrecognized as Thanksgiving texts for the, the misleading reason that the word praise is used. But if it is expressing gratitude for gifts given, and if the gift is in the scene, that's a Thanksgiving text. So the latter can be used on a relational, on a human relational level. If I receive favor from somebody and I recognize that, I see that you know one of my kids does something nice to me. I feel gratitude, and then I express that gratitude or thanks to them in a note or with a phone call or whatever it is, then I've, I've walked up those five rungs, right? You have. There is absolutely nothing deficient about seeing a human level to Thanksgiving. Our own lives would be so much richer if we were more ready to express thanks to the people around us. There is also thanks to be expressed to God. But the human level does count, and we should cultivate it. Okay, so that sets the the stage for what we're going to read today. And Dr. Leland Riken is going to lead us through some of these hymns and poems and scripture readings. It's called A Treasury of Thanksgiving, Illustrated Poetry, Prose, and Praise. It's our featured resource. You can find out more at chrisfabrylive.org. ChrisFabryLive.org. More straight ahead on Moody Radio. is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. This is Chris Fabry Live, and we're featuring a treasury of thanksgiving from Dr. Leland Riken today, illustrated poetry, prose, and praise. And that hymn, many of you know, is connected with Moody Bible Institute. We'll talk about that. But that hymn is included, and I'm so glad it was. So, Dr. Riken, why... Um, why is that hymn so important to Thanksgiving, and what is the structure of it? All right. The niche that this hymn fills is partly that it thanks God not for a, a physical benefit or a domestic benefit, but for God himself. Um, this can be concealed, but uh, it, it, it emerges if we're aware that The opening stanza praises God for one of his attributes, namely his faithfulness. So God himself implicitly is the gift for which we are thankful in this hymn. Now, the second stanza, with its references to summer, winter, springtime harvest, is in effect a mini nature poem. And nature figures very prominently in Thanksgiving texts. I'll just say parenthetically that 
it is no accident that the American Thanksgiving is in the autumn of the year. In fact, the original American Thanksgiving was a harvest occasion. Our crop being gotten in is how the uh, famous opening of the uh, document reads. Um, then when we get to the third stanza, we do, however, in a sense, explode outward in a spiritual direction. So in a mere three stanzas, we thank God for his character. We thank him for the provision of life that comes through nature. But when we reach the third stanza, we are talking about the primacy of the spiritual, pardon for sin, a peace that endures, God's own dear presence, strength for today, hope for tomorrow. I just love the way in which this simple hymn, it was written by a man from a common background, raised in a log cabin, nonetheless covers the territory. So it's a classic. I love it. Yeah. He lived in uh, Franklin, Kentucky, was born in Franklin, Kentucky, a Methodist. I believe he was raised a Methodist, became a teacher. Uh, He actually began working as a life insurance agent in Winona Lake in Indiana, (laughs) and then it moved to New Jersey. But the the (laughs) connection with Moody Bible Institute is the hymn, the the writer, the the person who came up with the melody, William M. Runyon, was affiliated with Moody. He set it to music, and uh, he also wrote the lyrics to Living for Jesus. Um, But... I just mentioned that because this is kind of the the high holy hymn of Moody Bible Institute. When we sing it, when we sing it around Moody, everybody gets louder because it's it just hits that resonant tone that that heart nerve that we're talking about of Thanksgiving. Amen. Let me read those two other verses then: summer and winter, and springtime and harvest. Sun, moon, and stars in their courses above join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. And then, pardon for sin and a peace that endureth, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, blessings all mine with ten thousand beside and then the refrain, great is thy faithfulness. You know, there's something about this. And I was, uh, As I was going through it this morning before we recorded this, Dr. Riken, I noticed that there is in all of these poems and the hymns and the scripture text, there is something about Thanksgiving that includes the past, the present, and the future, that we have been given something, we are experiencing it now, and we will see its fulfillment ahead. Do you agree with that? Yes, that's an excellent insight. Really good. Um, Let's talk about the Bible and how it's what it says about giving thanks. Uh, There are a number of scripture texts that you have chosen for the book, right? That is correct. Uh, Early on in my career as an anthologizer, Uh, One of my publishers proposed ending each unit with a Bible verse that encapsulates it. It was such a wonderful suggestion. I do that in all my anthologies. And when I review an anthology, as for example, for an interview, it's as though this Bible verse at the end is the appointed consummation of it all. It's just so impactful. So, yes, 
I have 40 different Thanksgiving texts as what I call sign-off texts. But then a number of the main texts in the anthology are from the Bible. There are several Psalms, but it's not limited to that. Um, The New Testament epistles, for example, have five ingredients, one of which was new to the ancient world. It's called the Thanksgiving. So there are really beautiful Thanksgivings, as they are called, in the epistles. Um, And there are prose passages. And um, yeah, the Bible figures prominently. It is a text of Thanksgiving. You cannot read just about every psalm. There is something about Thanksgiving, even in the imprecatory psalms, you know, break their teeth and dash. There are these moments where the, the psalmist will pause, at least pause and give thanks and think of something to praise God for, even in the middle of the, the hard stuff, right? Yes, I, I want to flag my entry from John Donne, and my uh, listeners might find interesting The anthologies that I compile would not be possible without the search capabilities of Google. So I typed in Don and Gratitude. I went immediately to a sermon he preached on Psalm 6. It is an imprecatory psalm. Um, John Don identifies the last movement of the Lament Psalms and others as a thanksgiving. Now, Modern scholarship says it's a vow to praise God and another element, but John Donne says, oh, we can encompass that under the heading Thanksgiving. Well, that really enlarges the compass of Thanksgiving in the book of Psalms. The lament Psalms are the most numerous category, and if we can see an element of Thanksgiving in them, we've really amplified our canon of Psalms that uh, express thanks. Yes. What do we know John Donne, uh, is D-O-N-N-E, what do we know him from most? What is his most famous poem? Well, he wrote many really famous poems. A prayer for repentance and renewal begins better my heart, three person to God. But he wrote many great devotional poems. He has a collection that he labeled Holy Sonnets. Yes. So there are some 30 of them. But I do want to flag also a a book of devotions that he wrote while he was recovering from an illness so serious that he was expected to die from it. And I I do include a prayer from uh, one of those devotions upon emergent occasions, the volume Mm. is entitled. You're listening to Dr. Leland Riken, and if you go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org, you'll see our featured resource today, A Treasury of Thanksgiving, Illustrated Poetry, Prose, and Praise. There's also another book that's just come out as we head toward Christmas, A Journey to Bethlehem, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, but I want to go to a poem by Ella Wheeler Wilcox, simply titled, Thanksgiving. She lived from 1850 to 1919. Let me read just a little bit of this, and you tell us what I'm reading and why it's important. Uh, Ella Wheeler Wilcox writes, We walk on starry fields of white and do not see the daisies. For blessings common in our sight, we rarely offer praises. We sigh for some supreme delight to crown our lives with splendor and quite ignore our daily store of pleasures sweet and tender. 
Our cares are bold and push their way upon our thought and feeling. They hang about us all the day, our time from pleasure stealing. So unobtrusive, many a joy we pass by and forget it. But worry strives to own our lives and conquers if we let it. Now, those are just the first two stanzas of a a longer poem. Why is that important? There are several uh, reasons why this poem is uh, worthy of our flagging here. One, the poet is relatively unknown. I would say that a number of my entries rank as folk literature or folk poetry or hymns for the common person, and I revel in that. This is one such poem, a relatively unknown woman poet. One of the niches that her poem fills is that it calls our attention to our tendency to neglect or not pay adequate attention to and gratitude for the small blessings of life. That's the niche of this poem. Um, Stanza by stanza, she offers various reasons why the common blessings escape us. Um, We're too beset with worries. Or I I found very insightful uh, one of her stanzas where she says, we don't pay attention to these small gifts when they arrive so that we can relish them and express gratitude for them only in retrospect. Well, that's a good insight. Um, She wants to call our attention to daily blessings, small blessings, and the worthiness of these blessings to elicit our thanksgiving. Um, It's a good reminder, I would say. There's also a musicality to what she writes, because the last stanza says, We ought to make the moments notes of happy, glad thanksgiving, the hours and days a silent phrase of music we are living, and so the theme should swell and grow as weeks and months pass o'er us and rise sublime at this good time, a grand thanksgiving chorus. (laughs) Isn't that good? That's great. Uh, She capitalizes Thanksgiving at that last line, which shows that although she wants to prompt us to Thanksgiving all year round, she does have the American Thanksgiving in mind also. And that's just a good uh, reminder. Um, The anthology covers the seasonal Thanksgiving in November, but it is also a good year-round resource. Yes. And that's why... I, I think it's really important, and in in her poem and in others, there is a sense that uh, where I'm from in in the, in West Virginia, we had this little pump down by the creek, and you could pump that thing and pump that thing and never get a bit of water out of it until you primed it. You poured water down in it, and then you started it, and and you, the, the water came gushing out. Because it just needed that priming, you know, that that initial water poured down. And I think Thanksgiving is the same way. It's almost a muscle that we exercise. And when you start, then it it calls for, you see more things than if you start giving thanks, you see more things to give thanks for. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And that is so wonderfully stated. And I love your illustration of the pump. I'm the farm boy from Iowa, so I know all about priming the pump. It's an excellent metaphor for thanks, yes. 
You know, the other thing I remember <laughs> remember about that is that there were some yellow jackets or wasps that would build a nest down there. <laughs> and you pumped that and they would come out with a vengeance. And so uh, yeah. priming it, you know, really helped. <laughs> <laughs> really Amen. helped wet them down. And matter in a wet hornet. Remember that phrase. That's that's where that comes from. It's at least in my childhood. Okay, so it yep. is a it is a spiritual discipline. Uh, can I gauge my spiritual health by my attitude of gratitude or the absence of it? Yes, and uh, you know that becomes a convicting statement, doesn't it? Um, I benefited a lot from compiling the anthology. Because it, A, alerted me to a lack in my spiritual life, but it showed the way to rectify that. So now that I'm thinking about it, my anthology with its text addresses a problem, namely, we don't feel adequate gratitude, or additionally, we don't express our thanks as we ought to, but... It is a primer, a statement of first principles, a kind of guidebook to how then express our thanksgiving. So what this might do in your soul, not just in November, but all year round, you can't measure that. You can't quantify it. A treasury of thanksgiving, illustrated poetry, prose, and praise. We haven't talked about the illustration. We've got to talk about that, and we will. And we'll talk about Journey to Bethlehem as well. Uh, treasury of Thanksgiving is our featured resource. Go to chrisfabrylive.org. You can find out more right there. chrisfabrylive.org. More straight ahead on Moody Radio. He is the author of more than 50 books on biblical and literary topics, the literary editor of the ESV Bible, and emeritus professor of English at Wheaton College. His name is Dr. Leland Riken, and we're talking about Thanksgiving today because he's put together a treasury of Thanksgiving, illustrated poetry, prose, and praise. But as I mentioned just before the break and a little earlier, there's another book called Journey to Bethlehem, and this has got to be great. It's out now. It's got to be great for Christmas. Have you done this same thing with the nativity, with uh, what we're thinking about as we think about the incarnation? Yes, it's a parallel volume. It consists of 10 Christmas hymns. And uh, in my compiling of um, hymn anthologies, it just is very obvious that Christmas is the big one. There are 10 classic prose passages dealing with Christmas. They were, in in most cases, uh, discoveries for me. And then thirdly, there are 10 classic Christmas poems of the type that I have taught in the classroom through the years. It lends itself to reading during the months of December. But again, one can read these selections as many per day as one wants. If there's all kinds of flexibility possible. But it's an anthology of 30 Christmas texts. Let me go to a fellow who lived in the 1500s, late 1500s, early 1600s, Martin Rinkert. And this is actually the first hymn that you include in the book. I'm going to read, Now Thank We All Our God, and then I want to hear your thoughts about it. 
Here's how it goes. Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices, who wondrous things hath done, in whom his world rejoices, who from our mother's arms hath blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love, and still is ours today. O may this bounteous God through all our life be near us, with ever joyful hearts and blessed peace to cheer us, and keep us in his grace, and guide us when perplexed, and free us from all ills in this world and the next. And then all praise and thanks to God the Father now be given, the Son and him who reigns with them in highest heaven, the one eternal God whom earth and heaven adore. For thus it was, is now, and shall be evermore. I began my anthology with it for a very good reason. I need to start an anthology with a really strong text, and this is it. It's the prototypical Thanksgiving hymn, as far as I'm concerned. The canon of traditional hymns sung at church services is shorter than we think, and some of the hymns that are in it really made it into the canon on the strength of their opening lines. Now, this is the exception. It's from start to finish is a Thanksgiving hymn. It's exuberance is what wins us. Uh, we're not just thanking God, but we're doing so line two with heart and hands and voices. Uh, we haven't just been blessed from our mother's arms. These gifts are still ours today, A to Z, et cetera, et cetera. It's just filled with exuberance. Now, that is really a surprise when we know the context. Um, Rinkert went to the city of Ellensburg the year before the Thirty Years' War began. He died the year after. He oversaw 4,000 funerals, including that of his wife, during the 32 years he was there. And yet he is the one who expresses this. In a sense, all stops pulled out him in joining us to uh, be thankful and expressing it, saying what we once said only saying it better than we can. Yes. I love that you use the, uh, the organ metaphor there too. All stops pulled out because we didn't, you know, we have guitars and synthesizers. Now it's like, you don't have that pipe organ where if you want to make it sound loud, you pull the stops out and you just, you go to playing, right? Correct. That's what God wants us to do with our thanks to him. Um, but so much of Thanksgiving, in my mind, I can remember as a child, putting my hand on the piece of paper and tracing around, you know, so that I'd make the turkey and the, you think of the pilgrims and the early, you know, just the, the courier and Ives, this, this vision of what the first Thanksgiving was like. And it, so we, we are kind of stuck back there with a, a picture that is not full. So you include some or talk about the founding documents of Thanksgiving. What are those? Well, they're not as numerous as we think. Um, I included a 1620 recollection by William Bradford of the spring following the terrible winter when half of the arriving pilgrims died. But he quoted from Psalm 107 at the end. It was an expression of corporate thanks for what they had. That's a founding document. The next year, we have the pretty brief account by, again, someone who was there of the uh, first Thanksgiving. Let's call it the original 
American Thanksgiving. Um, it lasted three days. It was primarily a feast and a celebration. We do not hear about a religious service being held, so we don't know whether that's true or not. Then we fast forward to the 19th century, the um, 1860s, and the mother of the American Thanksgiving is Sarah Hale. She wrote editorials for four decades, and she addressed letters to five different presidents. Finally, Abraham Lincoln issued his proclamation of the last Thursday of November. So those would be founding documents. Um, I think those are the big ones. Oh, I, I did want to mention, surprisingly, George Washington called the nation to Thanksgiving. It was not instituted as an annual holiday, but uh, Abraham Lincoln largely followed the content and outline of, of um, George Washington's earlier call to Thanksgiving. Hmm. I have that Sarah Hale uh, writing, Why We Need a National Thanksgiving Day. Let me just read a, a little of this. Oh, praise the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Amidst all the agitations that stir the minds of men and cause the hearts of women to tremble in fear and sorrow, among all the woes generated by human passions and human sins, the mercy of the Lord is over his children. It is the King of heaven who gives us, year by year, the kindly fruits of the earth and prepares our bread in due season. We must acknowledge that the goodness of God has not failed. Shall we not then lay aside our worldly cares, toils, and pursuits on one day in the year, devoting it to a public thanksgiving for all the good gifts God has bestowed on us and on all the earth? And she goes on uh, after that to talk about, you know, why we ought to have football games <laughs> and and turkey. No, she doesn't. She doesn't say anything about football games and and what our current world thinks about in Thanksgiving to to take a day of rest before the season uh, rushes toward Christmas and you buy a bunch of stuff. It's not there. It really is to give thanks to God, isn't it? Yes, very true. I do uh, think that one benefit of the anthology is once Christians acknowledge the primacy of the spiritual, nonetheless, it is entirely appropriate to be very grateful for this annual holiday that we call Thanksgiving. It has been the source of so much benefit socially and to families that we ought to be thankful for it. And countries that don't have it are really missing out. Yes. And I think it really is, and I've said this to, to friends, I think is one of the most Christian, if not the most Christian holiday we have. Of course, Christmas is in the celebrating the Incarnation. But as far as keeping it for what it was in, originally intended, Thanksgiving, you, you have to have an object of to give thanks to. You have to have someone to give thanks to. And Thanksgiving, Amen. you know— it, it boil it down to its essence is thanking the one who created us uh, for what he's done, right? Now that you mention it, I'm reminded of a moment in uh, a novel titled The Brothers Karamazov, where Alyosha, the Christian brother, says about Ivan, his atheist brother, to whom will he be thankful? Well, that's really insightful. 
we have to be we have to have someone to be thankful to and if one doesn't believe in god it's pretty shallow See, this is why I like Dr. Reichen. He even gets the, the Alyosha in there from the Brothers Karamazov, which I haven't, I've never been able to make it all the way through, and I've got to do that. Will you, will you come to my house and read that to me? Well, I'm going to be very honest with you. I am known around my department for not liking what I call the long read. So when I teach the Brothers, Brothers Karamazov, I teach it in an abridged edition. I don't like Moby Dick. It's too long, et cetera, et cetera. So you don't have to apologize for not having read the unabridged Brothers Karamazov. I did get through Moby Dick, and and I well, and I read through uh, Lord of the Rings recently as well. And I got to the end of it, and I realized there's there's more to come. You know, there was there was in the in the notes in the back. It's like, should I read this? And my daughter said, "Dad, you got to read that because there's stuff that you learn in there that is not in the you know what happens after that." Uh, yeah. So, thank you, thank you for that. You know that I can read a bridge. The other one is the Pilgrim's Progress. It's very hard to read in that original English, even as some of the updated versions of it. But it's so worth it, isn't it? It is, and, and it has the advantage of lending itself to, to episodic reading. That is, you don't have to read it all straight through. You can dip into it, and the storyline will be fresh in your mind. So um, it's not burdensome, really. Hmm. I love Dr. Leland Riken. He's come up with a treasury of Thanksgiving, illustrated poetry, prose, and praise, as well as the book, Journey to Bethlehem. We have it linked, it's both of them linked at chrisfabrylive.org, chrisfabrylive.org. More straight ahead on Moody Radio. talking about Thanksgiving today. A Treasury of Thanksgiving has been compiled by Dr. Leland Riken. You know what today would be a great day to do? Go to the website and find out more about CareNet. I am so thankful for this group of individuals, this pro-abundant life gospel ministry that is really caring for the unborn and also the mom and the dad going through some really difficult choices, an unplanned pregnancy. Did you know that CareNet has a network of 1,200 pregnancy centers that serve more than 300,000 women and men every year? Free ultrasounds, free pregnancy tests, free pregnancy decision coaching, options counseling. Of course, it's not free. Somebody has to pay for all of that, the material support that they give, the parenting education, and a whole lot more. I am so thankful for CareNet. If you've never heard about them, go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org. Click the green CareNet button, and you'll find out more about them today. And give thanks for them and tell them thank you for what they're doing. There might be a pregnancy center in your area. Click CareNet when you go to chrisfabrylive.org. You'll also find out about Dr. Leland Riken's Treasury of Thanksgiving, illustrated poetry, prose, and praise, as well as Journey to Bethlehem. We have both of those linked. Click through today's information when you go to chrisfabrylive.org. All right, Dr. Riken, take us. We think of the Psalms. We think of uh, even in other portions of the Old Testament as having these great prayers of Thanksgiving. I want you to take us to the New Testament. Where are we going to go? We're going to go to the epistles. 
the New Testament letters are modeled on Greco-Roman letters in the surrounding culture of the same time, but with changes. And the most notable change is a brand new element. There are five elements in the New Testament epistles, but scholars label one the thanksgiving. It usually comes early in an epistle. Right off the bat, we know that there is something special about the Christian faith. It produces a thanks lacking to the secular mind. So I'm going to read a specimen thanksgiving, as scholars call it, this one from Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. It's a catalog of riches that we have in Christ. So it has the required thanksgiving element of a list of blessings received. I want my listeners to be aware of the long sentences. It's as though when Paul gets started, he just can't stop. So here it is. High thoughts must have high language, said Aristophanes. Well, we have high thoughts here, giving thanks for our riches in Christ, and the style is uh, parallel to that. It's a high style. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. That's the end of the first sentence. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, comma, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, let me just pause to say, we are listening to a catalog of blessings, and our gratitude just naturally wells up as we contemplate them. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Now, that doesn't use the vocabulary of thanks, but it is an expression of thanks, because as the blessings and the riches we have in Christ are enumerated, we just naturally are grateful for them. You know, as you read that, it's almost too much. It's like going into a waterfall, and is you know, I can't breathe because it's just so good. But the the two things that I notice there are the sovereignty of God, the planning of God, and me. I don't bring anything to that party. All has come from Him and returns to Him. And it's by his grace that I get to be a, a part of that. Amen. Isn't that good? That just, I mean, if that doesn't make you want to sing, I don't know what will. <laughs> um, there's one other portion here, Dr. Riken, um, and you mentioned it a little earlier from Charles Spurgeon. 
There is a a reading of his, and it's too long for us to read here, but it's called Thankfulness Neglected. And this is almost, uh, you know, this is one of the challenges that you mentioned a little earlier. Let me just read a couple of paragraphs. Charles Spurgeon writes, Our subject is thankfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you search the world around, among all choice spices, you shall scarcely meet with the frankincense of gratitude. It ought to be as common as the dewdrops that hang upon the hedges in the morning, but alas, the world is dry of thankfulness to God. There are more who receive benefits than ever give praise for them. Nine persons healed, one person glorifying God. Nine persons healed of leprosy, mark you, and only one person kneeling down at Jesus' feet and thanking him for it. If for this surpassing benefit, which might have made the dumb to sing, men only thank the Lord in the proportion of one in ten, what shall I say of what we call God's common mercies? Only common because he is so liberal with them, for each of them is inestimably valuable. Life, health, eyesight, hearing, domestic love, the continuance of friendships. I cannot attempt a catalog of benefits that we receive every day. And yet, is there one man in ten that praises God for these? That stirs the soul, doesn't it? It certainly does. That's the golden tongue Spurgeon. After chastising us for neglect, There is a a pivot in the passage. Let us consider the blessedness of thankfulness. So that's that's positive reinforcement. We have to be scolded, really, for our negligence. But then there is the positive incentive to give thanks. I also wanted to tuck in, now that you mentioned it, an idea that we associate particularly with G.K. Chesterton. It is that we think of the opposite of gratitude as ingratitude, but... It is just as often taking something for granted, Hmm. not being aware of what's going on. We don't have to be ungrateful. We just have to be negligent, and we have already committed an offense. Well, let me end then by saying that I do not take you for granted, Dr. Reichen, and I'm so glad that we have this treasure in you to come alongside us and teach us some of the things that that we don't see as we read these texts. A treasury of thanksgiving, illustrated poetry, prose, and praise, as well as Journey to Bethlehem. We have them featured at chrisfabrylive.org. Dr. Leland Riken, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you and to your listeners. Chris Fabry Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.